0: So I have a son. His name is Jordan. He's 32 years old. That's our oldest child, our oldest offspring. So when he was born, um, it was our first baby, and so we, our first baby, um, we had at a birthing center in West LA, and and it was it was a game changer having a baby. Uh, it's more than that, a life changer. And um, so, uh, um, well, I, I, can't re- I can't forget this feeling of just going, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that we're in charge of this little human. <laughs> I'm thinking, how do you keep them alive? You know, <laughs> how do, what do I need to know? I'm looking at Holly. We need to keep you alive. That's the main thing. <laughs> I need your help on this. I can't do it by myself. but. Um, it's just, uh, one of the things that we talk about is that as a single man, I was a believer, serving in church, you know, been in ministry, and so I'm thinking, I'm pretty others-minded, I'm, I'm servant-oriented, compassionate, I get married, find out, I'm pretty selfish, you know, <laughs> I basically did whatever I wanted to do, and and then that's not counting her. She's pretty selfish, too. And so then, then you're working that out. So after a while, you're like, okay, we've got this figured out. We're doing good. And then a child comes. And then you find out, oh, we're both selfish. <laughs> now my whole life revolves around this child. And, and uh, it, it was uh, amazing. And, and, but the reality is suddenly your world changes. And I thought about this in relation to our faith, Um, our faith and as a follower of Jesus Christ. Even Jesus referred to it as being born again, that there is a new birth, and suddenly everything changes. So I'm not talking about checking the box called Christian of the religious leanings in your life, but I'm talking about something that takes place where there's a transforming moment in your life and everything changes. And um, I'm, I'm here today uh, to talk to you about following Jesus. And the thing I love to talk about, having a genuine faith in Jesus Christ and following him and, and talking about the amazing love of God. I mean, when we sing that song, the reckless love of God, what an amazing message and story that is and how often we struggle with it as human beings. It's good to always focus on that. I love these lyrics where it's like, um, uh, no wall you won't kick down, no shadow you won't light up, no lie you won't tear down. So he pushes through the deceiving messages so he can bring the truth of of his presence. And and um, if you think about it, I guess it could be a kind of a strange term, reckless love. But what occurred to me when I was thinking about it was, Uh, maybe as a human being if somebody is untrustworthy for me to trust them would be reckless and and but that's not how God works he's just like I see all your flaws I see all your failures and I just love you anyway it's just reckless unending overwhelming love and what what a great thing that we get to have a relationship with God and and so um I want to teach you about something today, and, and teaching, to me, one of my main ministry gifts over the years is teaching, and to me, it's a little bit different than preaching. It, I'm, I'm trying to spend a little time connecting with you about the Word, and, and so um, sometimes I feel like um, I know I should be um, entertaining and big and engaging, and, but sometimes I just want to teach. I don't know if it is. I, I was listening to... Uh, <laughs> I was listening to somebody who was writing about speakers, and he's like, "Every seven to ten minutes, you need to say something funny or do something interesting or different, or because you lose people's attention." So, I'll check in with you every seven minutes, okay? And and if I, you know, I'll I'll make something up around that time. But you let me know if I need to to um, do something different. But many of you may have heard some of these amazing stories in the Bible where. There's a scenario happening, a life situation happening, and then suddenly everything changes because there's faith. There's this kind of faith that comes in people that transcends the circumstances. It's bigger than logical faith. It's bigger than, you know, a sort of reasoning out how this could play out. It's a divine faith from another world. And that's the title of my message, Faith from Another World. And um, it's like one minute they're in this world of trouble. They're in this world of weariness or or disease or whatever it might be. And then the next minute there is this faith from another world that begins to change these circumstances. And I believe it's important that you and I are familiar with faith that comes from another realm that guides us and, and impacts us. So, for instance what i 'm talking about is uh, in, in the Book of Daniel in the Old Testament, there are three Hebrew men uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and so these are three Hebrew boys of faith in God, men of character, and they 're in a kingdom where they 're occupied it 's occupied, and King Nebuchadnezzar is like powerful ruler. He's surrounded himself with people who love him, pump him up. He believes it all. He believes his press, you know. So he makes idols. Uh, he creates his own gods. He has his own image and people have to bow down. And so there's this, this, this scenario that takes place where he said, okay, we're going to bring everybody together and we're, I'm going to play music and everybody's going to bow down to me and my idols. So these three young men who are serving him Just say, no, 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 no. we're not going to be bowing down to any idols. But the other part of the story is that there's a death sentence on the other end of this. Won't this be fun? We'll all bow down and worship. And fun fact, if you don't, you die. And so this is what happens. Daniel 3, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God who we serve is able to save us. We can all say he's able to do a lot of stuff, so he's able. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. Look at verse 18. But even if he doesn't rescue us, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. Where does this kind of faith come from? I mean, there, there is a fire pit where they're throwing people in who would die instantly. And so they're firing this thing up and say, well, you probably didn't hear the instructions the first time around. And they're going, no, no, no. You, we don't, we're not going to defend ourselves with all that. We, let's just make this clear. You can save the union dues with the band. You don't have to play another song because we ain't bowing. You know, we love you. You're a great leader, but we're not. And so this kind of faith Are you willing to stand up for Jesus when it's unpopular and you'll be mocked or put with the people who, oh, they're one of those that believe religious stuff. And there's this faith that comes out that seems like it's from somewhere else. It's like David and Goliath, the story of David as a 17 year old boy. And he's going as an errand boy. Uh, to bring food and sandwiches to his brothers, who are the real soldiers, and they're with the army of Israel, which is a great army, but there's a standoff. There's this Philistine army, and this champion leader of the Philistines is Goliath. The Bible indicates that he's over 10, maybe 11 feet tall and and strong, and, and so Israel's afraid. And he's like, come, send somebody out. I'm going to kill them, and you'll all be my servants, and all these accusations. So 1 Samuel 17, it says, David comes out, replied to the Philistine, Goliath, you come to me with a sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom, by the way, you've defiled. Today the Lord will conquer you and I will kill you and I will cut off your head. He's just getting on a roll here. Then I'll give dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals and the whole world will know that there's a God in Israel. And that's trash talking at another level right there. And he's like, (laughs) and everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with the sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle and he will give you to us where does a 17-year-old come up with that kind of faith? Sure, I don't think he walked around that way. I think he said, oh, what should I feed the sheep today? I mean, it's just like, but in this moment, here comes this faith that changes everything. And I, I do believe that that kind of faith is available to us. Sometimes we get this picture that people who have these great moments or great experiences, they're different than us. They, they have better faith or bigger faith or, uh, or something like that, but it's in you. You have the Spirit of God on the inside of you. You have the Word of God in your heart and in your mouth. And this truth can guide you. And it reminds me of when... Peter, James, and John are filled with the Holy Spirit and the church has started and and they're going into the temple in Acts chapter 3 and they see a man who has been lame from birth and he's at that door throughout the ministry of Jesus and they've been there many times but this day... He stops and he said, hey, can you give me money? And they say, silver and gold we don't have, but what we do have in the name of Jesus Christ we're going to give to you, rise up, stand up and walk. And he did. Where did this faith on this particular day come from? But from heaven, faith from another world. And so that's what we want to talk about today. That's what we want. And what I want you to know is in Romans it tells us faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. But I want you to notice there's a faith has a nature. Faith comes. So as you're thinking about your struggles, your health battles, your financial battles, your marriage battles, your faith crisis that you're going through, I want you to know you might feel like the opposition is too big, but faith comes. Faith comes, will come to you in the moment. You may not feel like you got much. I remember Catherine Kuhlman, who had so many miracle services, she said, I'm not a woman of great faith. I'm a woman of a little faith in a great God. Uh, Sometimes that is enough to change the situation. Is seven minutes up, or are you good? Do I need to do anything? All right. I Googled you of little faith, because I remember reading scriptures, all you of little faith and gave me a few, mostly Jesus. And one of the situations was when the disciples had gone in the boat across the the lake, and then there was a storm. So Jesus is walking on the water, and they say, Jesus, if that's you, call me on the water. So he said, come. So Peter gets out and walks on the water for a few minutes, and then begins to sink. And this is what Jesus said to him. He said, oh, you of little faith, So why do you doubt? And so to me, it shows the the opposite of the stories I'm telling you. This is a moment where Peter had faith from another world and is walking on water. Even if it was two minutes, it's a lot longer than I ever did. And then all of a sudden, faith is gone. And he sinks. And Jesus said, why did you doubt? What is it that takes us in and out of this engagement with the faith that changes circumstances? Some of us are facing mountains that we need to say, like Jesus said, he said, you could say to the mountain, be removed and it'll be removed. So we're gonna talk about that a little bit. Here's the challenge. It seems to me that modern Christianity lacks power And biblical foundation. We need to have a faith that's genuine and that will bring the presence of God into our circumstances. What I'm trying to say is that there is a truth deficit in our society. Now, what I mean by that, the truth doesn't disappear, it's there. But it means that the truth is being altered, it's being diminished. Is being revised or expanded. What was so powerfully true, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free, has changed to what's true for you. It reminds me that the very first story of the failure of man and where corruption entered the world started with Satan saying, Did God really say Did God really say he would never leave you nor forsake you? Did God really say he'd forgive you of all your sin? Did God really say? Did God really say you could speak to the mountain? It could be a metaphor. And so things start to work on our faith and challenge us. And so many times, I believe that there is a great hunger today for faith, for genuine faith and the presence of God. But there's also so much noise in the world. We are being flooded with so much information. How do you choose what you think is true? How do we know? The truth is significant because I'll tell you, many of the spiritual battles that you will find yourself in and that you will find victory over, it comes down to a truth encounter more than a power encounter. I want to just talk to you about a couple of terms to put this in perspective, but um, you're probably familiar with the term pop culture. And basically what that means is, uh, you know, uh, the culture that we live in, what's popular today. And our the pop culture is shaped by music and entertainment and sports and trends and there are ideologies that are uh, presented to us or part of the expression of life that, that shapes us. And if we're just embracing everything in, then some, some things that we're embracing should be challenged or should be rejected. But we're shaped. You know how it says in Romans, be not conformed to this world. Maybe that don't be shaped into the culture of the day, but be guided by truth, but we might be impacted by influential people. I don't know who might be on your list of influential people, but it could be a business leader, or it could be a celebrity, a spokesperson. It could be Oprah, or Ellen, or Jay-Z. I don't know. Um, Oprah, I have a lot of respect for, and I really like hearing what she's saying and what she's doing. She's Uh, And she has a very spiritual dynamic to her. But um, I don't know that everything she said, it says is the truth. So I'm not going to believe it just because Oprah said it. Or just like whether Jimmy Kimmel or Jay-Z said it. I'm going to go with the scripture. That's not a hate on anybody else. It's just like these are influential people. But I want to decide who's going to influence my understanding of the truth. (laughs) So the pop culture is strong, shapes us. uh, Music and movies and the TV shows we binge on. And we're impacted because we live in this world. While I was doing this, I Googled what's the top song in the country. Do you know what it is? Old Town Road. Lil Nas X and Billy Ray Cyrus, all right? You could have surprised me with that one in January. This year, Billy Ray is going to be number one. Anyway, that doesn't have anything to do with my message. <laughs> then the other term I'm bringing up to you is, is pop psychology. And my understanding of this phrase is a little like... A, um, contesting what we might say psychologically because there's not much depth to it we just kind of go oh you know you just got to let things go and move on and and like we're trying to help and it's kind of comes out of a pop psychology but it may or may not have any bearing in truth so we assess people oh they're really stressed out or or maybe maybe they're depressed or now mentally ill we're talking about mental ill a lot so we can we can assess somebody oh they're they're probably dealing with mental illness and it's just we don't have enough experience or training to be able to go into those areas, you know. But, but it's pop psychology. And we, you might hear things, you know, you just put your energy out there and the universe will bring it back to you what, what you need. And, and so I was like, wow, uh, okay. Um, I always kind of thought God created the inner universe, so we should just go to him, <laughs> bypass the universe. I, he can bring it through there, you know, and I suppose. But um, I read a couple of things about pop psychology, and they said uh, the average person thinks that we only use 10% of our brain, and but it's it's not really true. In the early 1900s, researchers at that time, in their limited understanding of how the brain worked, studied the brain and found. Other parts of the brain not active, so they came up with 10%. But now, current studies show that we use 100% of our brain, just not at the same time. You know, the brain works in different areas. You have different functions of different sides of the brain, so you use your brain for this or that, and it's different states. And so, but it's not like 90% of your brain's dumb or, you know, numb or on hold. 90% of my brain is on sabbatical, all right? So I'm doing the best I can with the other 10. And, you know, sometimes we, in church, you know, like one of the studies, I didn't even really think about it, but they said there's the study that says if you smile more, you'll be happier more. And so I could see that working its way into a sermon. It's really good, you know, just try. But then they, they did 17 different independent studies with 2,000 people, and they found little or no difference if somebody <laughs> smiled and how they felt, what was funny and what, how they felt about them or themselves or life. And so that was, I'm bringing that out because I feel better now. You know, I feel free. I, I don't always smile, you know. So I'm pretty sure this this uh, statement here is from pop psychology. There's no such thing as a dumb question. Yeah. You only have to live so long where you know that ain't true. <laughs> and the sad thing is some of them come out from our mouth, you know, and it's like, uh and then you wish you could just go, oh, wait, never mind. I, that's obvious, a dumb question. I proved it wrong myself. <laughs> so I said all that to say this maybe there is something called pop christianity where we are basing our christian faith on ideologies and ideas and notions from our culture and we're adapting our faith to be more uh, fit in more with what other people are saying And the problems of this are profound because there's two aspects of this uh, pop Christianity. One is the influence of our culture's view on Christianity might shape our faith. And the second is the tendency of Christians to shift their beliefs to accommodate modern society's flawed view of Christianity. So we might find ourselves buying into the various thoughts that you might hear. Christianity is a crutch for weak people. The Bible is anti-woman or pro-slavery or produces haters or Christianity stifles freedom. And yet there are many things that prove that this is just not accurate, Um, but it's the opposite. And in my reading, I found that many colleges today and even Christian colleges around America teach, while the Bible might be, quote, inspired by God, it's not without error, and it's, it's uh, partly mythology. Teaching in Bible college. Adam and Eve were not real people, only allegorical figures in the story of human evolution. Or Noah's flood is just a myth and was drawn from the writings from ancient Near East I didn't even know there was a Near East. I just thought it was far. <laughs> it's because I didn't go to college, maybe. <laughs> so here's something else. You may have heard this. You say baptism, water baptism is a symbol of something you know happening on the inside that was on the outside. And, but does the Bible ever say water baptism is a symbol of anything? Maybe. It is a powerful spiritual decision that brings transformation because it's a direction from Jesus himself and that something dies when we're baptized and as we come up in a new life. So we don't want to diminish the significance of somebody. It's symbolic. Just like communion, it's the bread and the wine or juice. Are we saying that oh, it's a symbol of this is the you know this is the body and this is the the blood and we're just to remember? But is it? Or is it a moment where you and I can say, in this moment as I serve my family communion, we're declaring like it did on Passover, the blood of Jesus over the doorpost, and the curse has to pass over my house. We're not having divorce at this house. We're not having financial (laughs) breakdown in this home. We're not having strife. We're proclaiming the blessing of Passover over our life. There are powerful truths in the Word of God that we want to make sure we're embracing that because we enjoy the benefit and the power of it. One of the things that often I hear, I'm going to move on right after this, but this is important. A lot of times we'll say, Well, that's in the Old Testament. We're not under the New Old Testament anymore. And uh, I thought, What does that mean? I'm not under the Old Testament. There are some things about the Old Testament that are unique, and we it takes some teaching and education about, but there are there are um, customary laws, there are uh, Jewish law, there is civic law, there's a lot of different elements, but there's also kingdom laws that we are introduced to them in the Old Testament, but they don't go away. Jesus didn't say, I came to get you out from under the Old Testament. He said, I came to not... Uh, cancel out the law but to fulfill the law and then I noticed all the stuff from the Ten Commandments that Jesus brings up he he didn't free us from it he steps it up a notch shoot he's like yeah the law says you can't murder but I say if you look at somebody in hate you're in that same category you can't even look at women the way you've been looking at them because the Ten Commandments we're bringing it up a notch so we we often, uh, especially around tithing or Sabbath, we like to say, "Well, we're free from the law." <laughs> but um, you know, it's funny in tithing. I've said this before because I want people when they're in church. I don't want to manipulate people. I don't want to pressure people. But I do want to teach. But I've said, "Don't feel any pressure to give." And so I thought, well, I don't want to say that anymore because I'm not, pes- I'm not the pressuring kind of person anyway, but I could inspire people to donate to something that has value and that you can be a part of something that makes a difference. So by me saying, don't feel pressure to tie, it's like nobody says, don't feel pressure to not murder anybody because <laughs> that's Old Testament and we all got to start somewhere, you know? So, you know, give yourself time as you grow into this thing don't feel any pressure to don't steal. I mean, if it's there and they're not paying attention, maybe they don't want it that much or, you know. So it's like the logic doesn't follow through. And so there is power in the Word of God that we don't want to diminish. And so I want to talk to you about the priority of the truth of God's Word. I think we made it through another 7 to 10 minutes and we're doing pretty good, right? did I lose anybody to Instagram or anybody having an ADD moment? I've had several myself, but I managed to hide it. Okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go over about five scriptures pretty quickly, but I'll put them up on the screen, and it's going to be scripture that will talk about what we're talking about or what I'm trying to present to you today. And so I suggest you take a screenshot of them and uh, uh, read these, look them up at home or something. But this is, these are important. And so we'll start with Colossians 2.8. And Paul says to this church, see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. Isn't that interesting distinction? And he even says there are spiritual Fundamentals of this world, but there's another higher level, which is Christ. And so then we look at 1 Timothy chapter 6. Timothy, there's two letters or epistles to Timothy from the Apostle Paul. Timothy is a young pastor leading people in a new dynamic move of God, and Paul is helping him prepare to lead or in his leading. So 1 Timothy 6.20, it says, Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and in doing so have departed from the faith. So it looks like there's something that we could call knowledge that really isn't, but where it leads is that we go away from the faith of following Jesus and embracing his word. Is that making sense? Okay. First, but Timothy 4, 1 Timothy 4.1, the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. So obviously, he's revealing the source, but it doesn't come across as teaching of demons. It just is teaching. It's ideas and knowledge, but it has its source in did God really say, right? And so... Um, The next one is 2 Timothy 2, 15. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of God. That's the focus, correctly handles the word of God. That's the challenge today today. Because if we correctly handle the Word of God, we'll be in line with it. It will build faith in us. It will bring us to an encounter with the Holy Spirit. It's the way you get to that place where suddenly faith from another world enters your circumstance through your mouth, through your conviction, through your declaration, and things begin to change. Don't use what I'm telling you today to criticize preachers on YouTube, whether you think they're false, doc, false teachers or prophets or something. That's not what this is about. This is about you getting an understanding of faith for yourself from God's Word. And so then in 2 Timothy 4, 2, it says, Preach the Word of God, or teach. Uh, Be prepared, whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. You see, so the Word of God is good for us. It prepares us. It uh, corrects us. It challenges us and guides us. We need to have that truth in our life. And then lastly, in this um, list of scriptures here, 2 Timothy 2, 1 and 2, Peter tells the believers, the Christian believers in that day, there will be false teachers among you. So of the Christian movement of that day, of which Peter was an apostle, says... There will be false teachers among you. They will bring. They will cleverly teach destructive heresies and even deny the Master who brought them. In this way, they will bring sudden destruction on themselves. Verse two: Many will follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality, and because of these teachers, the way of truth will be slandered. And so, to me, there's so much in that those two scriptures, but. It says that it's like these teachers start out. Nobody's saying, hmm, how can I deceive people? It's, it's allowing different beliefs to diminish and, and um, uh, uh, weaken the truth in our life, and it leads us down a path of destruction and deception. One of the things I like watching when it's uh, movies or television, if it's, if it's done well, is a courtroom drama And courtroom drama could be more about personal relationships of the characters or it could be a crime thing. But I just somehow those are fascinating to me, the laws and how they present facts. But we probably all have seen a movie or a TV show where one attorney is really, maybe that's the attorney of the big firm and they got lots of money and lots of people. And and so they're compiling this evidence. But because of the storyline, you know the guy is innocent but because of how the facts are presented and by how they utilize the law, the judge or the jury comes down and says, we find the defendant guilty. And you're like, what? How could he be guilty? And, and it's because of how the facts are presented, but it doesn't equal the truth. And that's what we're talking about is protecting our spirit by the word of God. <laughs> Jesus told us, in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, he called us the salt of the earth. And uh, so in that scripture, it says, you're the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. What's interesting is salt in that day was a valued commodity. Many Romans and Roman soldiers were paid with salt because of the value. And so they used it to preserve food, and protect it from contamination. And when salt has lost its flavor or its effectiveness, the only thing you can do is throw it on the road. You can't even use salt as fertilizer trying to grow something. So. Maybe what Jesus meant by that, there's a lot of possibilities, but maybe we're here as preservatives to the truth that you and I can keep the salt alive of the truth in a world that is moving toward decay and compromise. And so, I want to challenge you as we are approaching a close here that um, I can see the band is coming up, so I got like not 10, but seven minutes to wrap this up. And so um, we're gonna build faith that transcends circumstances. And uh, genuine faith requires a uniqueness to it in our life. And I can't help but believe that we're living two stories at once. And what I mean by that, we're living two stories simultaneously, we're living the story of our life. The day you were born and the day you will transition from this life into eternity. But also there's a story that's going on right now, this chapter. I think about it in terms of the story where Jesus said, hey, you guys go to the other side of the lake and I'll meet you there. That was the long-term story. But we also read about another story that happens in the middle of that story, and it was a storm. It was fear. It was a potential of drowning and being destroyed, and what they did in that moment, and in that came this faith from another world. And I want to tell you, this faith... Uh, that is is from another realm transcends circumstances. It transcends people problems. It transcends spiritual warfare. It transcends setbacks. And so it will help you navigate the short story and the long story. Just because you're in the middle of a bad chapter right now doesn't mean that's the end of the story. Jesus tells you, I'm with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. And I will lead you to a place where you can accomplish his purpose. Does that make sense to anybody. We want to complete that in our life. And I want to tell you when circumstances go bad and problems increase, our faith gets stronger rather than weaker. When you face situations and that don't make sense, and there are many, God's Word will help you navigate through those circumstances. When hard situations cause you to doubt, let your faith lead you. It's important that we know that a dream delayed is not a dream denied. We have to trust him along the way, knowing that his plan is higher, his plan is better. God told Joshua in... Chapter 1 and verse 9, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. I want you to get comfortable declaring the truth in your life. I want you to find and discover enough truth to get you through the weeks, the months, the trials, the difficulties. Be willing to say, I'm not defined by the storms I face. I'm defined by what God says about me and his plan for my life. You can say, thanks be unto God. Thanks be unto God in this, who's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all I could think or imagine according to the power that works within me. So we declare the truth. He's able. Faith comes. I might feel like I'm low on faith in this moment, but faith comes. I want you to be like Peter in Acts chapter 9 when they they said, Hey, this woman who served God for so long, she got sick and she died. And so he came and went to the room where she was laid out, prepared for burial. And there were professional mourners and weepers and sad people. And, And they were showing all the crafts that she made and talking about who she used to be. And Peter cleared the room. And so he could be with her, and he knelt down and prayed. And when he finished praying, he got up and said, Tabitha, rise up. And she did. There was a faith from another world that entered that situation. You can be like that. You can do that in your circumstances if you will trust him. I want you to know that God has been faithful to me. It hasn't always been smooth, hasn't always been perfect. I didn't always feel like a win. I didn't always feel like he was right there with me. But I've never doubted the promises of God. And maybe some people are better at it than I am, but I tell you, there's nothing higher on this earth. There's no higher calling than to follow Jesus to represent him to others, to inspire people, to encourage people, to love people, and be one of those that lets people know Jesus is the way, the truth, and the light, and no one comes to the Father but by him.